0: A stu- stu- studio D production.
1: Ah! What
2: the hell! <laughs> Did you catch that on the recording? Yeah. I want to listen to it. What happened? I almost knocked over my beer. <laughs> I almost did it again, I almost knocked over
1: the other thing Aw, oh, too bad, I would have liked to see if you could get a little more motion ah. in your yell this time
2: No, I don't think so You have to be pulled off the mic ah. Ah.
1: Ah. <laughs> ah. Okay, ah. that was a weird coincidence, because Anna and I did it at the same time And then Salem and Bell did it after us at the same time Something weird is going on in here, and I think it's called heat stroke. I think it's, oh yeah, we've got, <laughs> we've got heat fatigue or whatever.
0: What do they call it? Heat fever? Sun fever? Got, I always heard heat stroke and sunstroke. What Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Sunstroke. I don't know. Maybe.
1: I. There's probably other ways to refer to it. I'm just telling you what I always heard. All right, I'm going to introduce. Hey, who are you guys? It's just- That was a hiccup, right? Okay. Would you like some water? You have water. We can't record while you're hiccuping.
2: I'm never gonna learn who you guys are. Sit down, I wanna tell you a story.
0: A really weird and messed up story. It's F'd Up Family Storytime! Hello everyone, welcome to F'd Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. And I'm Hannah. <laughs> and here today we have
2: Jess. Stop it, the <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, sorry! <laughs> I was trying to scare her. And Belle, who has the hiccups? Oh, I think they're gone because
3: Hannah was like, Hi, man! And, and I, like, <laughs> choked on my water. And I think that they're gone. <laughs> I got rid of them. Oh, God. man, I like to think
1: it was my loud scream in the microphone. <laughs> all right, well, we are yeah. here.
0: Recording episode number 53. Yeah! No, 54. 54. Number 54. <laughs> And how's everybody doing? Oh my gosh. Uh, <sighs>
1: great. Delirious
0: maybe? Yeah, I think so. We're
1: going to have to get serious though, because what we're going to talk about is no laughing matter.
0: Yeah, that's true. Except so,
1: somehow we'll find a way to I'm laugh sure anyway. I'm sure we'll still laugh through yeah.
0: it. Um, so we're, uh, it's another hot recording session. We still have no AC, and I think the temperature's up to like 92 right now. Oh. So, if we seem a little delirious or, um, I don't know, lethargic. Lethargic. <laughs> slow. Slow. It's probably because of the heat, and we're doing the best we can. So, <sighs> since it's so hot, I think we are just going to jump right into our story, um, get right to the chase. So, um, this is part two of two epi- two parts. It's a t- part two of a two-parter, <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> we listened to to recap we listened to Jess tell us about Jack the Ripper last week and somehow even though she concluded the story she is
1: going to find a second part so take it away Jess so as Salem said if you listen to the last podcast i am fulfilling my promise to talk about another infamous murderer um from the 1800s H H Holmes. Yeah. Um now there's a lot of interesting similarities and some interesting things with the timeline between Jack the Ripper and H H Holmes. And when we get to the end of this, we'll talk a little bit about some theories about how these uh two stories kind of cross each other. So are we ready to get into it? Yeah. 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 All right, I'm getting energized. All yeah, right. Yeah, let's, yeah. The, let's get this energy up, guys. All right. Um, Holmes is actually regarded as the first serial killer in America. But I have some, I mean, if you ever want to email us, we can get into some of my theories because there were some Black Widow type women in the early 1800s that I think could be considered the first serial killers. Like, Yeah. But... <laughs> Most places will tell you that H.H. Holmes was the first serial killer in America, and his story is pretty widely known, um, because it's just so weird and macabre, and... It is, yeah. Just an odd thing.
0: Everyone here is familiar with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Maybe you will learn some details like Jack the Ripper that you didn't know. I hope so. Probably. (laughs) An interesting thing about Holmes is that after he was caught, he confessed to... Many, many murders. Um, there are many letters he wrote and papers he wrote, and you can find them. There's a lot of books if you ever want to read the ramblings of this lunatic. Um, and verbal confessions that he gave. Um, it's hard, however, to separate fact from fiction when it comes to his confessions. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later as we go through the story. But I want to start uh, with some background on A. J. Holmes. Um, Holmes was actually born Herman Webster Mudgett um, in 1861. No wonder he killed people. <laughs> I mean, Herman Webster Mudgett. Mudgett. <laughs> yeah. He lived it. He lived with his parents and four siblings in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. Uh, his parents were devout Methodists, and Holmes actually grew up in a, a strict religious household. However, it was still a happy household it wasn't an oppressive household or anything like that just religious and everybody in the village or town um, said that the mudgets home seemed normal that the kids seemed happy and the family fit in around town holmes was exceptionally smart Uh, he had a good work ethic and he had strong ambition (coughs) even as a child Um, one thing that was observed about holmes was that he tried to learn as much as he could about everything um, Holmes wasn't very successful socially. He was teased because he was good at school. Um, and so he ended up spending most of his time by himself. Because Gilmanton was such a small town, Holmes was bullied even outside school, right? He couldn't escape mm-hmm. because they all live near each other. Yeah. Um, in one of Holmes's statements about the bullying, he described one of his experiences as being particularly memorable He said it had an effect on his interests and shaped him into the man he became later.
2: Mm -hmm. That sounds not good. (laughs) I know, right?
1: Um, So one trait of Holmes that was well known was Holmes' fear of the skeleton displayed in the local doctor's office. Um, One day, Holmes was walking home from school and a group of kids ambushed him. They took him to the doctor's office and pushed him into the outstretched arms of the skeleton, and they even went so far as to take its hands and put it on Holmes' face. Holmes was screaming very loudly, so office workers heard and came to save him. It's kind of funny, though, because while the kids' intentions were to scare Holmes, possibly increasing his fear of the skeleton actually had the opposite effect. Holmes said that after the incident, he realized that the skeleton was benign, and there was nothing to be scared of. And in a way, it cured him of his irrational fear. Another thing he said it did was it made him curious about medicine. Hmm. So that horrible bullying moment
0: created a monster. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. In a roundabout way. Because it sounded like a good thing at first. Like, right, but like oh,
1: I'm now interested in medicine. That's well, and he says it shaped him to be the man he was today. So, like as an adult, he says that that's creepy. Yeah, that is creepy. Holmes continued to work hard in school and graduated when he was sixteen. He immediately left Gilmanton, um and accepted teaching jobs in nearby cities. He planned to go to medical school at sixteen. Uh huh. That's wild. Well, it was eighteen. Six, well, if he was sixteen, it was eighteen seventy-seven. I guess. Because he was born Can in 1861, you having a 16-year-old teacher. No, <laughs> like that's wild. I mean, it wouldn't have been uncommon, <laughs> I guess, back then, though, especially in America, out in the prairie. Yeah. Oh. Um,
3: yeah. Well, and you think back then, what was the average lifespan? Like 40.
0: <laughs>
3: true. <laughs> so, like 16, you're like halfway through your life. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true. I mean, women were getting married at 16 and having yeah. families. So, he accepted teaching jobs in nearby cities, and he planned to go to medical school um, after he apprenticed under Dr. Naheem Wright, who was a notable medical professor and also an advocate of human dissection for learning purposes. During this time, he met Clara Lovering. They were married on July 4th, 1878. Holmes was only 17 years old. Um, From there, Holmes and Clara went to Vermont, where Holmes went to university. However, after a year, he left the program stating that this school didn't satisfy his expectations. After that, he went to the University of Michigan and attended their Department of Medicine and Surgery. Um, it was during this time that Holmes perfected his skills in chemistry and anatomy, which will become skills he uses frequently in the future. Um, while at the University of Michigan, Holmes worked with Professor Herdman. And helped him work on cadavers. He was praised for having excellent dissection techniques and being devoted to death and dismemberment. Who
0: so, you? I know, right? <laughs> I'm devoted to I don't, death and dismemberment.
1: I don't want a doctor being devoted to death and dismemberment. <laughs> but Professor Herdman sure praised him for it. So, <laughs> and I think in a way, this work desensitized Holmes when it came to like bodily violence and things like that. Um, Academically, Holmes was very successful He was very intelligent But focusing on that Affected a lot of different areas in his his life Um, The financial state For Holmes and Clara Was not good at all I mean, Holmes was a student So they didn't have a lot of money And then in 1880 They had a son, Robert Mudgett Because Holmes at this time, remember, is still Herman What was it? Herman Monster Mudgett Something like that (laughs) Yeah (laughs) All right. Um, So when Robert was born, um, you know, it made their finances even harder. Uh, They actually lived in a shared household with other family. um, And housemates described Holmes as being violent towards Clara physically. They said he was demanding and mean. Um, And ultimately, in 1884, Clara took Robert and moved back to New Hampshire, although Herman Munster Mudgett and Clara never officially divorced. (laughs) After Clara left Holmes, he was described as not being too upset about her leaving, but he was still very upset because he was struggling financially. He discovered that a quick, easy way to make cash was becoming a con man, and this became a regular part of his life. Um, And his ability to work with cadavers at the university helped him with his first big scam. So one of his quick ways to make cash was to scam insurance providers. Holmes would create an alternate identity— and take out a life insurance policy in that alternate identity's name, listing himself, Herman Munster Mudgett, as the beneficiary. He would then take an unidentifiable cadaver from the university and present it as the person he had pretended to be and dead, and Holmes would collect the life insurance payout as the beneficiary. Wow. And he did this often while he was at university. It's a pretty good scam. I know, right? he graduated from medical school in 1884 and this fraud became a regular practice for him one other thing he starts getting into as well is dissecting cadavers and selling the skeletons to universities so they have, because they had to have a real skeleton as reference yeah. now being a con man Holmes had to travel continuously otherwise he would be discovered right the longer you stay in one place the more people are going to catch on to what you're doing and the more likely you'll be caught So he actually just began traveling around different states, different cities, um, perpetrating these frauds. Um, And as he moves around, he became well-known as a con man in those towns he went to and also became suspected of much worse crimes in a couple of places. Um, In 1885, when Holmes was about 24, he went to Moores Forks, New York... (laughs) Moore's Forks. I can't. I realize I said that so weird, but I can't say it any other way. I don't think Moore's Forks, New York. (laughs) Moore's Forks, New York. Yep. Um, While there, a young boy disappeared without a trace. According to residents in the town, Holmes was seen with the young boy on the day he disappeared. Um, Rumors start. And, of course, townsfolk begin to believe that Holmes had something to do with this disappearance, right? Holmes was questioned by the police, and when questioned, he told them that the missing boy had gone to live with family in Massachusetts. So here's my big flag if I'm a police officer. Where the fuck does Henry Munster Mudget know where this little boy he's not yeah. related to and has no connection yeah. to? How does he know he went to live in Massachusetts with family? Why would he even know where he is? Why, yeah. why does he know that and nobody and no else, else knows it? Yeah. So that was really weird to me. That's a, that's a good question. Right? But the police didn't have much evidence, so they never investigated it further. Of course not. So, so I think even to this day, we don't know if the boy died, if he did die, if Holmes was involved. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. So, but with so many of the residents believing Holmes was involved, just days after being questioned by police, Holmes left town and headed to Philadelphia. But he didn't stay out of trouble there. So Holmes lived in Philadelphia throughout 1886. He worked as a pharmacist in a small drugstore. So there's where his chemist knowledge comes in. Um, The drugstore was very well known. It had a great reputation. However, soon after Holmes started working there, a young boy died from the medication he received at the drugstore. Medication that Holmes provided. Other workers at the store and members of the community believe that Holmes had purposely given the boy the wrong medication leading to his death. Holmes, as he does, denied the accusations, but very soon after left town. So that's not suspicious. Right. So it's at this point, when he has a second connection with a potentially murdered young boy, that Mudgett decides to change his name. So he goes from, I just don't like Mudgett, you see? So, Herman Webster Mudgett became Henry Howard Holmes, or H.H. Holmes for short. After that, Holmes decides to head for Chicago. 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 It's a city that's
2: exciting. It's a city that's exciting. Do you know that because you've seen it, or do you know that because of Evie? I know it because I've seen it.
1: (laughs) I, like... So I had to watch that show with Evie so much (laughs) that I do the same thing when I hear that song. And when somebody says Chicago, I go, Chicago, in my head every time. And that's why when you did it, I kind of waited. And then you did more, and I was like, "Oh my god, it is that stupid song!" <laughs> it's because fucking
2: Ryan. I'll uh, say his full biblical name on here right he's now. Been he's been on the podcast. He's been on the podcast. Maybe we shouldn't say his full biblical name. No, thing, but... Ryan Herman Munster. <laughs> <laughs> um, he does that all the time. He but <laughs> he made me watch it, and now he does it all the time. Anytime he hears Chicago,
1: I'm just a girl <laughs> with no legs trying to make it. In Chicago.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. I had to watch it so many
1: times with Evie. Okay, so back to Chicago. Um, So uh, in 1871, Chicago experienced the Great Fire, which you may or may not have heard of in passing. Maybe you know more about it. Um, But that's part of what in... What year was it, like 1886, 1887, when he was leaving Philadelphia? It's part of what drew Holmes to Chicago. The city was still rebuilding, and it was becoming a place where the economy was really starting to pick up. Uh, There was a lot of growth, and there were lots of job seekers coming to town from around the country, around the world. So he thought that in Chicago, he could build from the ground up and achieve all of his dreams. Makes sense. We're going to talk about his first scam in Chicago. So when he first got to Chicago, Holmes immediately started working at the E.S. Holton Drugstore on the corner of Wallace and 63rd Street. It was a very successful family-run business, and the Holtons welcomed Holmes like he was part of the family in a lot of ways. Mr. Holton was sick with cancer, and having children, Mrs. Holton needed help running the store. She couldn't do it by herself anymore. And despite what we know about Holmes. Outwardly, he was very charming, polite. He was ex- described as a very handsome man. And so he easily won over, you know, Mrs. Uh, Holston. And then in addition, he'd worked at a drugstore before, so he already had the experience. So he was an almost like a perfect fit in the Holtons' eyes to help them run their store. Unfortunately, Mr. Holton died not too long after Holmes started working at the drugstore. Um, So Holmes offered to buy the drugstore from Mrs. Holton. Uh, She readily agreed she could use the money, and she didn't have the time to take care of her kids and run the store. But con man Holmes was really the one making the deal. Um, He never had any intention of paying her the money, and... Once the ownership of the store was handed over to Holmes, of course Mrs. Holston asked for the money, but Holmes refused and somehow uh, swindled his way out of it.
0: How do you swindle your way out of
1: stealing somebody's... I couldn't find a lot of detail about how he did it to Mrs. Holton. That's crazy. I know. Mrs. Holton even tried to sue him for non-payment in 1887, but she eventually just gave up because he made it such a hard, horrible process, um, and moved to California to restart her life with her kids. That's sad. (laughs) Mm. What an asshole. Needless Um, to say, Holmes never paid any money for buying the drugstore, so he just got a free drugstore. Yeah, that's shitty. And How do you get away with shit like that? I know, right? Um, Owning the drugstore, Holmes was in his element. He had a steady stream stream of pretty girls who would come in and flirt with him. Um you know consi- he, since he was considered a very attractive man he and able to come off as charming and polite a lot of pretty young women came in to the drugstore holmes had no plans to go legitimate and just run the drugstore um he planned to continue his life of crime and i have to leave this in here cuz i don't know what i was trying to say to my speech to text but it says his life of crime and connery um <laughs> Connery. (laughs) I imagine I was trying to say conning. I don't know. Crime and connery. (laughs) (laughs) After Holmes gathered up enough money from the drugstore, he started to buy and sell properties, but he did this in a very specific way. So he would buy a number of properties under a number of different aliases, and he would use those aliases to get loans from creditors. Once he bought the property, he would then very quickly turn it around and sell it and keep the cash. Creditor, creditors would reach out because of non payment and discover that the person who took out the loan. Didn't actually exist. Oh, so Holmes got the cash and never paid the loans back.
2: You'd think that they would do more work on like the front end and make sure that the person in, exists. Yeah, <laughs> in
1: the 1880s, can I mean that's not easy to do in the 1880s. I mean, you still have like identification papers. Yeah, but they know. were much easier to forge them. Oh uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know, but that's what he did. And either people you were dumb or it was just <laughs> too hard to verify back then. One people, of the two. I
0: think we're more trusting back then True. too, maybe. I don't know.
1: He also completed several other scams using the drugstore. Um, one of them, he became what I like to call a snake oil salesman. And I didn't make that up, it's a thing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, through the drugstore, he actually was inventing products and selling them at very high products. However, the products were completely worthless. Um, for example, he had a, a youth elixir, elixir you know, that was supposed to rejuvenate and restore youthfulness, and it was really just tap water that he put in a bottle. So it was fun, right? So he was just... He was just a swindler all the way mm-hmm. around. And then always wanting more and never being satisfied. In 1888, Holmes discovered that a property across the street from his drugstore was available for sale, and this is what will become known as Holmes's murder castle.
0: Ooh, creepy.
1: And break. Oh, oh. wait, I want to say one other thing. I'm sorry. So this is 1888. Keep in mind, this is when Jack the Ripper started killing. Mm-hmm. Same time
0: frame. Yeah. All right. But I'm, across I'm curious, the pond. Yeah, I'm curious to see how you tie them together. We'll see we'll see.
1: I didn't ever said I was going to time together. I said I was going to tell you the theory that people have. Uh, okay, <laughs> it's up to you to believe it or not.
0: Well, I'm curious to hear this theory. <laughs> All right, we ready to take a break? Yeah. 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 Kind of like this of
1: um, background.
0: It wasn't ever like what did excruciatingly. I do? What happened? <laughs> How am I? Trapped in here. What happened?
2: What so, know. for
1: the listeners, somehow Hannah tied herself up in her headphone cord. I not
0: know how you did that. Some somehow, <laughs> while it was still
1: on, here, she home. got it under the strap of her tank top. Oh, there you go. You, you
0: hooked those
2: together. Oh my God! Turn around. Let
1: me see your back. Did it get in the hook? Is that I what guess. happened? yes Shall we get back to the story? I store? guess we're back. Let's yeah. get into it. Welcome
3: back. Welcome back to the place the
0: like. You know that song? You
3: know
1: it's what about. that's from? I don't care right now. Welcome it's hot back. and I want to tell the story. <laughs> All right. I'm starting to get hot cranky. Uh oh. Is that You're Hanky? To get hanky. So, <laughs>
3: Hannah, for six months out of the year.
1: Okay, so we just left off with Holmes discovering uh, that the property across the street from the drugstore was available for sale, and he wanted to buy it. Um, At this point in his life, we also know that Holmes already had a history of violence. Um, There are reports of him physically abusing his first wife, Clara, and he also had a long, long history of being a con man. But Holmes was longing for his work with cadavers and human dissection, and he missed it greatly. Kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I added the word longing. It just Everything I read said he just missed it, but I thought longing gave it that little extra grossness. <laughs> <laughs> it is gross. I mean, he's missing too. it. He's longing <laughs> for
3: it. He's here.
1: Ew. Um, he wanted a place where he can continue that, but in private. So he didn't actually want to have to work with cadavers necessarily in a controlled environment like he was before. But he wanted to get back to human dissection. So he got a lease and bought the property across the street from the drugstore. Which was like a big mansion
0: type place.
1: Sort of. Like, I, I don't even know if it had anything on it. It just said property. And it sounds like he built his mansion from the ground up. So I think oh, it might really? have just been land or something maybe. Okay. Okay. Um I never really I didn't even think about that till just now. I never really saw specifics on like what it was he bought, just the property. Okay. Holmes began construction on the mansion and it became the talk of the town. Um and uh residents nicknamed it the castle. <laughs> it provided work to hundreds of laborers and so the building was always teeming with men working. Outside, it looked like a beautiful castle. But inside, not so much. Mm. So here's the crazy thing about this mansion, Holmes built. Holmes was the architect, and to this day, it's believed that no worker on the property ever saw the full blueprints. Um, he also so he also ensured that there was a constant turnover of workers working on the project. That sounds weird. Building the project. So that would mean they were, would work on a small part of the mansion but have no clue what was being built in the rest of the mansion. Hmm. It was a way for Holmes to continue his conman ways as well. So not only is he keeping the full design of his mansion secret, but by creating this turnover. So he would say that the work that the workers did was satis- was dissatisfactory and dismiss them. And because he would say it was dissatisfactory dis- even though it was fine he could get out of paying them. So this constant turnover also allowed him to save money and to not Mm -hmm. pay people. So it was twofold. Even though he's making a comfortable living with the drugstore he owns now, he needed a lot of money for this project, so he wanted to find a way to do it without spending any money. So the mansion. Now you can find drawings of it online if you're ever interested in kind of looking at the layout. But it, it was definitely built for a purpose in mind. Ground floor was actually commercial space. So the ground floor what had a new drugstore for homes. It also had restaurants, a barber shop, a jewelry store. Wow, a blacksmith shop.
2: Oh so, God, so it's it was like a little
1: town. It's like what we do now with strip malls, and we put condos above them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what it was. It was like a strip mall, and he, this is the way I imagine it: strip mall, and then he had his hotel or whatever he wanted to call it above it. Okay. Um, And that's all that was on the ground floor. The third floor was a bunch of rooms, not super remarkable, um, and Holmes lived on the third floor. Um, And he lived in an area near a group of other, other rooms on the third floor that were designed to either be rented or to be used as office space. Okay, so that's first and third.
2: Okay.
1: Save to the second floor for this one, the one in between, because the second floor was the one that was weird. Okay. So it was very elaborate. It had 35 rooms, many of them described as being designed as killing chambers, but they all had the appearance of normal rooms, bedrooms, you know, and other Mm -hmm. types of surroundings. Hmm. On the second floor, there are also a lot of hidden staircases and doors that lead to nowhere. Guests who came um, would get lost on the second floor and scared, um, and this fed into Holmes's desire to be in control of people. So with them not being able to find, find his way around, it was described as a labyrinth, the second floor was. He controlled those people getting in and out, essentially, because mm-hmm. they couldn't find their way around.
0: Creepy.
1: The other creepy thing on the second floor, knowing what Holmes did with it, um, was a greased chute that went straight from the second floor to the basement. Oh. So you can imagine what he was using it for I mean, on its own, if you didn't know what he was doing and you were just staying there, I guess it could be explained away a laundry chute or whatever.
0: Yeah. But would have been
1: greased. <laughs> so the sheets
0: don't get stuck. Maybe the sheets are greasy.
1: But maybe people are dirty back then. Hannah. Maybe he didn't <laughs> grease it, it's residue from the dirty laundry. Yeah. Disgusting.
3: So, <laughs> um I'd rather deal with bodies than greasy <laughs> laundry.
1: Yes. But whatever it was for it allowed Holmes to take something from the second floor and very quickly have it disappear down into the basement. And the basement.
0: Oh, the I mean, basement.
1: Basements are already stigmatized as being creepy. Mm-hmm. So Holmes just cranks it up to a whole new level. It was described as resembling a dungeon. It had a dissection table, a crematorium that was disguised as glass-blowing ovens. <laughs> You just, I
2: don't know. <laughs> you,
1: you say, this is where I do my glass blowing <laughs> in yeah. 18... And everyone <laughs> believes you. In 1888, exactly. that's what you do. And this is where I blow glass. <laughs> he also had torture devices and lime pits. Oh, wow. And the most notable torture device was a rack. And so for anybody listening who doesn't know what a rack is, it's basically like a rectangular frame that's vertical and it has a roller on the top and the bottom and a person's wrists were lashed to the top roller, and their ankles were lashed to the bottom roller. And then with mm-hmm. a lever, the torturer could stretch their limbs all the way to the point of dislocating or completely separating their joints. Yeah. And if your wrists and ankles are separated at the same time, chances are you're going into shock and dying. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Without immediate Um, medical treatment That's my non-medical opinion Mm -hmm. By the way guys I
0: think you'd have to be a pretty tough person not to
1: I broke one bone And it was, I will tell you this I have had a baby as well Breaking my elbow was the most painful thing I have experienced in my entire life I couldn't Mm -hmm. imagine having four joints Be torn apart at once God no Yeah. Anyway So when asked about the rack in late, in future dates one of holmes's ridiculous claims was that it wasn't for torture but so that one day he could create a race of giants
0: Mm.
2: Alright. <laughs> he was just stretching people. <laughs> Not to the point of torture, but to the point just of just to being being, like, taller. A little taller. <laughs> yeah,
0: and because that's and how it genetically works. you're gonna pass <laughs> that on, right? Yeah. yeah. That was um, silly.
1: I mean Holmes was a little wacky, at least in his later years when he started confessing to all sorts of things. Now, in typical Holmes fashion, he was able to obtain all the furnishing um and including the more extravagant furnishings by buying them on credit that he never paid. So he got it all for free. He gets everything for free. And nobody catches him. Like, he, like how does nobody recognize... There can't be that many creditors in town that yeah. don't realize, hey, this guy came in the other day, but he told me his name was Jones. Like, oh it just seems unreasonable. But anyway, he apparently he did it. Agreed. Um, but one of my favorite things he did to get something for free was when he acquired a bank vault. So he got a lease and ordered a bank vault to to be put, um, in the mansion. So, I mean, you think he's a business owner. He's got all those things. Okay. Yeah. He needs a vault, right? Um, once they came and installed the vault, he had a room built around the vault. That was the exact size of the vault. So, when he defaulted on the loan and they tried to take the vault back, they couldn't take it without damaging the room. So, they left it. <laughs> That's wild. How the fuck, Ugh. man? I don't know, right? Like, I'd break his fucking room. Yeah, like, yeah, like I'm like, sorry you owe me this money. Right, I'm- here's, here, I'll wipe this much off your debt so you can rebuild your fucking room, dude. Like, yeah. yeah. No shit. While all this is going on, and a little bit before it's going on, in 1887, he married Myrta Belknap from Minneapolis. Um, Holmes met her years ago um, when he was doing his little jump from town to tra- t- town to town con mannery. And Myrta had found Holmes to be very charming. And, you know, with his charm, he was just like... Kind of makes me think a little bit about how, like, Ted Bundy was able to charge, charm women, but he was an evil monster. Like yeah, H. H. but Holmes he was, was so kinda, charming. H.H. Yeah. H. H. Holmes was kind of the same way. He could charm people and hide what was going on in his weird, twisted brain. And even though he was weird, he could play it off that, mm-hmm. that
0: people didn't think that he was, like, that kind of weird. Right. He yeah. was the eccentric
1: guy who built himself a mansion. You know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I'm assuming
0: that nobody, like his friends and guests of his place, knew that he just didn't pay for anything, right? I'm sure that they didn't know that he was this... So I wouldn't think that they would find that to be an admirable quality.
1: I mean, unless they're con men, too. That's true. Which (laughs) that could be, That might be foreshadowing. Oh. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So technically, in 1887... Holmes was still married to Clara. They never officially divorced after she left, but he didn't care. He still reached out to Myrta and asked her to marry him and come live with him in Chicago. Um, and, you know, Myrta, hearing about this mansion he built and believing she's going to come live in some lavish home, she was like, okay, sure.
0: And yeah. I mean, I would. I probably would,
1: too. Especially in 1887, and I live in Minneapolis. Yeah. i come live in a mansion, Yeah. So once Murda came and they got married, um, she worked in the drugstore with Holmes. Uh, she hated it. Uh, she didn't get much money from it because all the money was controlled by Holmes. So she was basically working for no pay. Um, after they'd been married two years in 1899, they gave birth to a daughter, Lucy. So Murda, having a new baby and still trying to help take care of the drugstore while Holmes is off building his craziness and not really paying attention. Um, Myrta was exhausted. Um, and finally, oh, and was really fed up with all the women who came into the drugstore to flirt with Holmes, her husband. So she finally told Holmes how she felt. He didn't like it because without her working in the drugstore, she was no longer useful to him. Yeah. But he put her to work keeping track of the books for the store, uh, which actually allowed her to spend most of her time inside and not interact with Holmes, which I think she liked in a weird way. (laughs) Yeah. So running the drugstore on his own was too much for Holmes. Um, So he set up a relationship with a man named Benjamin Peitzel. Peitzel came to Chicago in the fall of 1889. He was a petty thief and he uh, was a forger as well. He was also a heavy drinker. He moved around a lot with his family and what brought him to Chicago, or when he got to Chicago, he saw the ad for this big construction project, mm-hmm. uh, Holmes's Mansion. And so he answered the ad. You know, and then there was something between the two of them. They very quickly connected. Um, they were both con men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the connery. <laughs> it connected them. Um, yeah, exactly. They probably had the same kind of vibe. Holmes also realized that Peitzel was de- was desperate, and since Holmes is a manipulator, he sees that as an advantage for yeah. himself. Um so he and Ho- so Peitzel and Holmes became friend. Peitzel and Holmes became friends. Friend. <laughs> friend. They became one friend. friend. <laughs> and Peitzel was actually (laughs) one of the few long-term laborers who worked in the mansion. And so Peitzel starts becoming privy to like Holmes's whole plans. Holmes shares with him. um, He doesn't really, you know, hide anything from him. He became Holmes's right-hand man and oversaw work on the mansion when Holmes was away. Holmes even built a relationship with the Peitzel family. So Benjamin Peitzel's wife and kids. And he, is uh, remembered as saying he actually liked them and enjoyed spending time with them. He thought that Clara, the wife, was nice and the kids were very well-behaved. He hates his
2: own family, but...
1: Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) He's down
2: to fuck with the (laughs)
1: Pitezels. Yeah. He would uh, use Pitezel to commit frauds, Hmm. um, and then he would take part of the money that he got from that and give it to the Pitezels. So he almost, in a weird way, became like a benefactor... Weird. To the family, yeah. With Paitzell around, Holmes actually had some more free time, and he decided to use this free time to get back into death and dissection. Well, it's his favorite thing. I know, right? So we have reached 1890 when Holmes takes the life of his first victim. So, So here's where we're at so far with Holmes and his personal life. He has... A wife, who's not his ex-wife, in New Hampshire with a son, Robert. He has another wife, Murda, there with him in Chicago with a daughter, Lucy, who's off on her own and Holmes pays no attention to. And so in 1890, he decides he's going to start an affair with a woman named Julia Connor. Julia actually started out as being his assistant, managing expensive with, with all of his different businesses and everything and the construction Um, Holmes was still running his operation, buying and selling real estate on credit that he never paid, as well as (laughs) operating his drugstore, and he kept building additions to his castle. And being the charmer that he was, that's kind of how he won Julia over. Like, hey, I have this mansion, kind of thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Eventually, they were having a full-blown affair. Julia left her husband and moved into Holmes' mansion with her daughter, So she brought her daughter from her marriage. She left her marriage, brought Uh her kid to move in with him in his mansion. Mm -hmm. But as so many people find out, once inside the mansion, life was not what she thought it was going to be. Uh, Yeah. Once she got there, everything was completely controlled by Holmes. And he he was able to control his personality so that she didn't see the darker side and still saw the charmer. So he was able to do all this without making her think he's a bad guy kind mm-hmm. of thing you know Julia was totally convinced that they were in love and she did what Holmes said she thought that he was just doing what's best for her
0: mm-hmm.
1: after a few months Julia found out she was pregnant she didn't want to have a baby out of, baby out of wedlock so she demanded Holmes marry her so thinking she doesn't know about Murda, even though they're living in this same mansion because she demands Holmes marries her So Holmes says, Fine, I'll marry you, but only if you allow me to perform an abortion.
2: Well, why get married in the first place? I know the point. The only reason she wanted to get married was so that their kid wasn't born out of wedlock.
1: Yeah. But Julia agrees. (laughs) She says, All right. Really? Yeah. So in the basement, Holmes had set up a fake clinical looking setup. That's a bad sentence, guys. Sorry. (laughs) So it would appear like he was actually taking her down to have an abortion, so she wouldn't be suspicious. He did perform some sort of operation on her, though, not an abortion, in which she died from complications. Oh. But it's it's pretty certain that he did it on purpose. He lured her there for an abortion and then killed her. And then killed her, yeah. And then, of course, what does Holmes do once she's dead? Any takers? Any guesses? (laughs) Dissect! Yep. (laughs) He... uh, dissects her body, removes and cleans the skeleton, and sold the skeleton to a local college. Wow. Oh my God. I couldn't find any information on what happened to Julia's daughter, and I didn't want to dig too far. I can only imagine it wasn't good. I mean, good. hopefully she went back with her dad. I don't know. Yeah. Like, so now we jump ahead a year later. It's 1891, and we meet Holmes' second victim. So um, a furnace designer, Wade Warner... Was in charge of designing and installing an extensive heating system. Now, of course, Holmes was not planning on paying Warner, because that's what Holmes did. Yeah, he doesn't pay anybody. But Warner was a little bit more savvy, and he did not fall for any of Holmes's tricks. And so he was demanding payment, um, and he wasn't going to leave without it. Since he couldn't manipulate him, Holmes said, well, I guess I better kill him. <laughs> he l- Fair enough. He uh-huh. lured Warner into the basement, which is where the furnace was. So presumably, he told him something needed looked at or whatever. Yeah. Um, but once Warner was in the furnace, Holmes locked him inside, turned the oil and steam on full blast, and watched him burn to death. Ah.
0: Jesus.
1: And in one of Holmes's confessions, he states that uh, he was stunned when he opened the door because there weren't even any bones left. Ah Ooh. That's a really good furnace. I wonder what model it was. (laughs) Well, in oil and steam, I'm just thinking, like, oh, my God, this is hell for this guy. Yeah, it's really bad. Now we jump another year forward to 1892, and a woman named Emily Segrand, who was a private secretary for Holmes, probably replacing Julia. What do you guys think happened with her? (laughs) <laughs> did Dissection she, did she get killed? <laughs> well, they were having an affair Oh, <laughs> well, of course But through that affair Holmes decided that Emmeline Had learned too much About how he conducted business So he was ready to move on He got her to go inside the large Bank vault to get some papers And when she was in there He locked her in and sealed the vault Causing her to suffocate Wow oh. Um, We don't know for sure what happened to her body, but mm, coincidentally, a week later, a female skeleton was sold to the University of Chicago Mm. by Holmes. Yeah, thinking it was probably (laughs) her. Well, and now throughout all of this, Myrta is actually still living with Holmes, still married to Holmes girl, run. I know. (laughs) Does she have any clue or does she just keep her distance and doesn't want to know? She was so good at concealing it and separating it from the rest of the house and all of that. Well, and you
3: also think, like, back in that day, like, women were not allowed. They just weren't allowed, period. And if he's providing a stable home for her and he's not making it super obvious that he's out murdering a bunch of people, I would remain in blissful ignorance for as long as I possibly could Mm -hmm. as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But at this point, she really knows that Holmes doesn't care about her and she feels taken advantage of and trapped. So Murda takes her daughter, Lucy, and goes back to Minneapolis. And the one bright spot Mm -hmm. in this story is that Lucy grew up to be a very successful teacher.
3: Good for her.
1: In Minnesota, yeah. Nice. After Murda left, Holmes didn't seem to care and just kept living his life the way he liked it. Um, So now we're already in 1893, and Holmes met Minnie Williams. Holmes found out that Minnie was a beneficiary of a property in Fort Worth, Texas, Worth approximately forty thousand dollars. So of course, a lot of money yeah. back then. So of course, Holmes had to get his hands on this money. Yeah, forty
2: thousand in today's dollars, or in I think back that then day's that day's dollars. dollars. I think. I'm gonna look up what it's worth now. All right.
1: <laughs> um. So he hired Minnie as his new private secretary, and she became, or she moved in, and. Uh, I don't know. She moved in, and of course they had some sort of affair going on. My notes say became Mrs. Very quickly, <laughs> so just, she
0: married him. Maybe it sounds like they got married pretty
1: quickly. Maybe, but I think Mrs. was an autocorrect. So anyway, uh, but she moved in, and um, I looked it up for They didn't get married actually, so I don't know what I was trying to say in there. But they were having a relationship. Okay, so sorry. Uh, Forty
2: thousand dollars in eighteen ninety is worth one point two. $1.3 million today. Wow.
1: That's a ah. pretty good amount of money. So, because Holmes didn't seem to have a wife, Minnie thought that this relationship was very serious. After a while, Holmes is able to convince Minnie to sign the property in Texas over to him. And interestingly, very soon after, Minnie died suffocating in the bank vault.
0: Wow. Wow. So that's two people. I wonder what happened to her. Uh
1: Uh-huh. That bank vault's really dangerous. I know. Um, Only they had been able to collect it. (laughs) Yeah, no (laughs) doubt. So because the property was signed over to him after her death, Holmes inherited it. He sold it very quickly and took the money. Um, After that, he actually came to Denver, Colorado. Oh. No, stay away. I know, right? He came out here to try to get a new group of investors and creditors that didn't know him, obviously. He had to be running out of people he could scam in Chicago. Yeah, because eventually you're on everybody's list. Yeah. Um, So he came out um, using an alias of Henry Mansfield. Wait, what? As Henry Mansfield. (laughs) What the hell are these notes? Here's the <laughs> sentence. He used an alien, Henry Mansfield Howand, remains Phil Howard. <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: okay.
1: But I know that the good thing I do my research and I don't have to just read my notes because I know he used Henry Mansfield as his alien, alias, not alien. His alien,
3: Howie Mansfield. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> And while in Denver, he met a woman named Georgiana Yoke. He met her at a department store. And after meeting with her a couple times, he convinced her to come to Chicago with him and to marry him. However, she thought she was marrying... Wait, not Mansfield Howard? She thought Henry Howard. I don't know what the fuck then. Mm. She thought she was marrying Howard. Okay. Oh, that was right. His name was Henry Mansfield Howard. That sentence just totally screwed up his name. <laughs> so she thought she was marrying Henry Howard. The exciting thing that was happening as they traveled from Denver back to Chicago is the Chicago World's Fair was starting. And if you don't know much about it, look it up. It's pretty amazing the mm-hmm. level of exhibits they had and the new inventions and products that were, were uh, um, revealed yeah. there. It was a pretty um, big deal the what was the what was a, f- a fact i learned it was something like in those days over 6 months 20 they estimated like 22 million people came through the world's fair or something like wow. that wow like an insane amount and i could be totally wrong i don't know but that's what i remember in my head i didn't write it down um but i mean it was bus- people from all over the world came to the world's fair and there uh-huh. were delegations with uh, displays and things from other countries because yeah. it's the World's Fair Yeah, (laughs) Um, and if you ever want a funny interesting piece of history read about how Chicago got voted to be the place where the World's Fair was held in America the World's Fair opened on May 1st 1893 and this just like opened a hunting ground for Holmes Mm. because what he could do is he could go to the World's Fair meet women do what he wanted with them And since most of them were from out of town, nobody knew any connection to Holmes. Mm -hmm. So what he did was, well, another, sorry. Um, So the fair lasted for six months, and Holmes's mansion was just a few miles away from the fairground. So it was very easy. Mm -hmm. Um, So how he used that to his advantage, he wanted to use his mansion to lure in victims he told investors that he was going to convert the third floor into a hotel for visitors, and they gave him money to buy furnishings and do renovations, um, which he never paid back. But he never rented out any rooms. He never did any renovations. It was just a ruse, and he wanted to get modern luxuries. Mm-hmm. He also took out ads in the papers uh, saying that he had rooms for rent. Ah. So he would use this. You know, it looks legitimate. There's an ad. Uh, To go to the fair, look for wealthy women that he thought he could scare out of their money. And he would take them back to the mansion and do what he Mm -hmm. wanted to do. with His horrible things to him. This was, to him, a way to continue selling skeletons to universities without being detected because there was little connection. And the fair attracted so many young people just starting out, and all their families knew were they went to Chicago. There wasn't a lot of means of communication for them to even know where they were staying or things yeah. like that. So all that Chicago had were families saying, hey, so-and-so went to Chicago and never came back Yeah, kind of thing. So it kept Holmes distanced from it. Mm-hmm. Pretty good plan, it's really. not like these
3: days when every time anybody goes anywhere, they got... Oh, I was here and I was here and I was here. Yeah. And you could call and be like, oh, officer, on Instagram, three yeah. days ago and five hours, she posted that she was here. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> um, I keep my location on just because if I ever get kidnapped or I get murdered, I want people to be able to find my body. Yeah. Yeah. I have a funny. And find out where I was and catch that yeah. asshole.
3: I have a funny story about that um, really quick because yeah. yesterday, Friday, I was at work and my phone had like gone on in my pocket while I was like running around on the bar and i had not pocket dialed quincy but we share our location with each other at all times in case something like that happens yeah. And I had like gone into the settings or whatever in my pocket. It just like done it on its own and it had turned off the location services and then sent Quincy my location. And Quincy like calls me. She's like, what? I know. I figured that I pocket dialed them and I like look and I was like, oh, sorry, dude. That's way scarier than what I thought happened. Like, I'm really sorry. She's like, as like, yeah, yeah. I bet they were
1: so freaking so worried about yeah. me. I know. I was like, fuck.
0: Like, yeah. That would give Quincy a fucking heart
3: attack. Like,
1: So earlier when we were talking about the layout of the mansion, uh, we talked about how there were several rooms laid out to look like bedrooms, but they were actually murder rooms. I just like calling them that. Murder. 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 So the rooms were lined with asbestos to make them soundproof. Oh, okay. And And give people mesothelioma. And dangerous. (laughs) Murder room anyway,
3: whether you commit murder in the room.
1: They didn't know that in 1890, no, whatever they didn't. That's it would have been everybody axi-
3: only leave, lived to be 40.
1: It was just an accidental death room,
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, unintentional murder room. <laughs>
1: the rooms also had peepholes, Ew. and had yuck. gas lines ran to them.
3: Also yuck.
1: All the gas lines were controlled from Holmes's office. Oh. So what he would do is he would take these women with the promise of a place to stay, a place, a room to rent. And lock them in their rooms, turn on the gas, and through the peepholes watch them suffocate. Oh.
0: That's horrible.
1: And another creepy thing, during this time frame, many universities around the country received new skeletons for
3: their medical programs.
0: Oh, gee, I wonder where all those were coming from. Just a
3: coincidence, I'm sure. Um so it's like that doesn't raise any red flags. I know. You just like get a mysterious skeleton? No, I'm sure he sold it to them,
1: but they don't keep records like that. So, a university in California isn't gonna know that a university yeah. in Minnesota ha- bought a skeleton from Holmes. Yeah. Who isn't gonna know? Yeah. It's not. They don't have a database for skeletons like they do these days. How Bell? does he justify database.
0: selling them? Like, what does he say? How does he say, "I've got the skeleton to
1: sell you"? Is he playing himself off as like a corner or a? No clue. Hmm. I mean, there had to be some sort of legal way that they got skeletons. People could still donate their bodies to science, but just so to maybe like have he lied, a skeleton. But maybe he would say, like, "Oh, this came from a body that was donated or something." Yeah, if I donate something.
3: my body to science and then find out that somebody made money off of the body that I donated to science, and my estate doesn't get any of that money,
1: yeah. Well, it's a good thing that if you donate your body to science, you're dead, so you would never. So you don't care. That's true. I would
3: still haunt them. (laughs) No, it's pretty. It's pretty
1: shady. I don't think
3: unresolved trauma that I'm going to be a ghost either way. I
1: don't think other legitimate schools were doing that. Legitimate schools were taking those bodies and dissecting them for learning
3: purposes. Quote medical schools. Unquote.
1: But But he. Could have. I have no idea how he got away with it, but he could have lied and said, you know, yeah, got another donation. I just didn't know if they said, like, what his lie was. I mean, in all honesty, in 1890, if someone was plowing their field and found a skeleton and sold it to a university, nobody would have given a damn. That's true. That's true. true. Yeah, you're right. So, especially during the fair, Holmes was very, very busy. He had a lot of business endeavors. He was avoiding creditors. But somehow at the end of the fair, even after all this, he was very short on cash, and creditors were coming after him with a vengeance. In addition, he was starting to lose his relationship with Benjamin Paitzell. Uh-oh. Holmes began to feel that Paitzell was becoming a liability. He knew every detail of Holmes' business, and probably suspected about the women that were there and then never seen again. Mm Mm-hmm. I want you to call him Pietzo. I don't Maybe that's how you yeah. say it. It's P I E T Z E L, but that's I went with I pie-tzel. It. Piezel. It's, it's pietzel. It's <laughs> Pi Anyway, sorry, I can't every time anyway. you say Pietzel, I think. Pie-tzel. pietzel. Holmes becomes paranoid worrying that Pietzel may spill his secrets. <laughs> um Pietzel always <laughs> go back. Go back to Pietzel. <laughs> pietzel. You just gotta say it more and more ridiculously every time Um, Paitzel also began demanding more and more money from Holmes to support his family But as mentioned before, Holmes was short on money at this time And didn't have any money to give him In an act of desperation and trying to In an act of self-preservation, let's say that Holmes devises a very devious plan So Holmes laid out his plan for Paitzel he told Peitzel what they were going to do is they were going to fake his death mm. before they did that. We, they were going to have his wife, Carrie Pitzel's wife, Carrie, take out a large insurance policy on Benjamin Peitzel. Then Holmes and Pitzel would travel to Philadelphia and stage Pitzel's death using a cadaver. After the insurance company paid out the money to uh, Carrie they would split the money 50-50, and everything would be hunky dory, and Peitzel would move on somewhere else where he's not known mm-hmm. and Peitzel trusted him completely at this point, well, and that said it sounds like a great sure wonderful, sound, yep. smart, easy mm-hmm. plan, mm. yeah mm-hmm. so in November of nineteen nineteen of eighteen ninety four Holmes and Peitzel set out across set out on a cross country trip where they plan to commit petty crimes all along the way to Philadelphia. But for the first time I found in St. Louis, Holmes screwed up and he failed to swindle a drugstore owner and got arrested. (gasps) Um, While he was in the jail, he actually shared a cell with a well-known gangster, Marion Hedgepath. For some reason, Holmes felt comfortable and told Hedgepath all about his plan staging Pitecell's death, death, um, and even to the point of that he was actually going to kill Pitecell Wow. So Hedgepath told him that he knew of an attorney, and he w- could give Holmes the name of this attorney who would help them in exchange for $500. Hedgepath wanted $500 to give him the name of the attorney. Okay. When I first was learning about this, I was like... So he paid the attorney $500? <laughs> um, but so the agreement was once they collected the insurance money, Holmes would send Hedgepath $500. Okay. So Holmes was actually in jail for a few months, and his current wife from Denver, Georgiana, finally paid his bail, and he was released, and Holmes and Pite set back on their path to Philadelphia. Okay. Now, once they get to Fel- Philadelphia... They set up an office um, under aliases as patent dealers. They lived there for about a month that way. One day, a local inventor who had an appointment with the alias that Peitzel was using came to the office, and upon not finding Peitzel, he kind of wandered around to the living area where he found um, someone lying in the middle of the floor uh, with their face burned off. Oh! Ah. The police came. And they determined it was Zale, whatever his alias was, be, just based on who lived in the property, who rented it. Okay. And at first they thought that it was a chemical explosion that killed him um, by mixing flammable chemicals. Um, but when the autopsy was performed, the coroners actually found large amounts of chloroform in his stomach, indicating that he had drunk chloroform. So their mm-hmm. first thought is he committed suicide... But then how did the chemical explosion happen to burn his face off? Yeah. The funny thing is, though, even though they had no explanation for how his face caught on fire, they still ruled the death as accidental. What the hell? Now, they needed to identify this body. Um, And remember, Benjamin Pitezel's family still thinks this is a ruse. So... Authorities in Philadelphia reach out to Carrie's wife to have someone come to Philadelphia and identify the body. Mm-hmm. So Carrie sends her 15 year old daughter Alice. Oh no. With Holmes. So Holmes is back in Chicago to Philadelphia um, because she trusted Holmes, you know? Yeah. Um, and Alice uh, identifies the body as Pite Cell. And now we get to the last days of the H.H. Holmes ridiculous odyssey. All right. This is crazy. This guy's a nut job. Yeah. Okay. So she identifies, Alice identifies the body with Holmes in Philadelphia. Instead of taking her back to Chicago, Holmes says they need to go to Indianapolis to avoid suspicion. So he takes Alice, because it's just him and Alice at this point, and puts her up in a hotel in Indianapolis and tells her that, don't worry, he's going to have her family come. Okay. so he reaches out to Carrie and tells her to avoid suspicion and all of this that they need to go and they need to meet up and hide out and somehow he convinces her because he goes, he leaves Alice in Indianapolis and goes back and is talking to Carrie about this in person, right?
0: Okay.
1: Um, he convinces her to avoid suspicion she should let the three children travel with him. No! And she trusts him at this point uh-huh. she has no clue Other than that he commits some frauds and they get money from it. Yeah. You know? And so she travels by herself and he has the three kids with him. And then he sends her on this chase all over North America. So he would tell her to meet him in a city and then he would show up every now and then and they'd meet. But he'd never bring the kids. You know, mm-hmm. um, so he was just keep trailing her along. And then huh. he kept telling her, obviously, he wasn't happy with just half of the life insurance. So he kept telling her, I need you to send me more money so I can take care of the kids. I need it for expenses for the kids. But he wasn't using it on the kids. No. Were um, the kids even alive still? No. Yeah. So we don't know at this point. We assume okay. that he's killed them, right? Yeah, that's what I would assume. Yeah. So he's keeping all the money for himself. But his fatal flaw... Was hubris. He failed to pay the gangster Marion Hedgepath the $500 he had promised him. Oh, no, because he never pays anyone. So Marion's in jail. He reaches out to the warden and tells him everything about what Holmes did. Tells him that it was premeditated. Holmes was going to kill Pitezel and all of that. So the insurance company, because it's insurance fraud to them, I mean, it's also
3: murder, but... Yeah. But, you know, what's more important?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, the insurance company can hire private detectives, so I guess that's the difference. They actually hired the Pinkerton Detective Agency to track oh. down Holmes. Oh. Okay. On November 17th in 1894, Holmes was found and arrested for the murder of Benjamin Pietzel. Um, <laughs> he was hiding out in Boston... Um, and was brought back to Philadelphia to wait to be tried for conspiracy to cheat and defraud the life and defraud the life insurance company mm-hmm. as well as the murder of Peitzel. Nice. Holmes at first insisted that Peitzel had committed suicide, but nobody believed him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then authorities noticed that the three children who were supposed to be traveling with Holmes had disappeared. Yeah. So for a while, Holmes insisted they were safe, and he sent detectives basically on wild goose chases to various places. And because they wanted to believe the kids were alive and they wanted Mm -hmm. to get them safely, they followed all of these leads because they were hopeful. Um, Eventually, it became clear, though, that the kids were dead, and Holmes was never going to tell them where Mm -hmm. the kids were. Even the older one that he put in took
0: to in Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, that's where I got a little confused. I think he might have took her from Indianapolis back to Chicago. I don't know, because that Alice was one of the three kids with him while they were traveling. So maybe he brought Carrie to Indianapolis and then they left from there. It didn't really say. Yeah. So so police hired a detective, Frank Geyer, um, very well known detective at the time in America. And they hired him to follow Holmes's path that he took on his crazy odyssey. And one thing that helped, they found a series of letters that Alice had written to her mother detailing the cities they went to, where they stayed in those cities, and how much she missed her mom. Mm -hmm. Holmes never mailed the letters, but for some reason kept them. So when he was arrested, they found those letters. Geyer was able to use those letters... Because everybody dated their letters back then mm-hmm. he was able to use those letters to follow the trail that Holmes and the children took oh so while Geyer's following this trail, Chicago police got permission to search Holmes's mansion it it was funny the I think what I one of the things I read said the the layout of the second floor confounded them
2: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> But they didn't find really find any evidence on the second floor or on the third floor that pointed to any crimes, but then they searched the basement. yeah, it's got to be some nasty shit uh-huh. in there. They entered Holmes's mansion on July nineteenth eighteen ninety five and made their way to the basement. Um, they found several objects that they describe um, as could have only existed to inflict pain, hmm. and they found several. Uh, Pieces of evidence of murder. Um, Around the basement were piles of animal and human bones. So it was determined that there were both animal and human bones. Mm. Um, Scattered around were bloody women's undergarments and other clothing. Mm. Uh, The wooden dissection table in the basement was saturated with dried blood. So it became pretty clear that Holmes was doing something awful. More than just one murder happened Mm. down there. Why
3: don't murderers ever clean up after themselves? You mean, I feel like even if you're doing, like, dissecting, like, why leave your table saturated with blood? Well, if it's wooden, it Um, might have soaked into it. That's fair. I'm not saying
1: Holmes cleaned his table. I'm just saying, I'm playing devil's advocate. I get you, though, Belle. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, like, why don't you just, like, mop afterwards? Wipe it down. (laughs) Yeah. Now, as all this is going on, of course the media caught on, and it became an overnight sensation. And this is when the mansion gained the name, or the nickname, the Murder Castle. Okay. Which makes sense at that point. <laughs> One of the saddest things about this is that after this was discovered and it became well known, the police in Chicago were bombarded by people reaching out about loved ones who had gone missing around Chicago over the last few oh. years, um, including, including many, many who had gone missing during the World's Fair.
0: Mm. That's sad, and I'm sure they had no way to Mm -hmm. determine who was, because all the evidence is gone at that point if he's selling their skeletons.
1: Yep. Now, Holmes was very much enjoying all of this attention he was getting, and he was loving the pandemonium he created. At this point, Holmes begins to confess to a number of murders. He just starts confessing. We can't really ever verify most of his claims though because as the police looked into a lot of these they begin to find out that he was claiming to have murdered people who were still alive really (laughs) so he was you know so clearly he murdered people but he was gonna make it like yeah as high it's almost like that the confession killer guy who's like i don't know i killed like 600 yeah that's he right, just kept thinking. making it bitter, bigger and bigger. We see patterns of the same human behavior throughout time if yeah. you pay enough attention, right? Like, Because mm-hmm. he thought it was a claim. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And
1: he got attention for it. And that I forget the guy's name, but the confession killer loved it because he got treated great by the mm-hmm. police. He got cigarettes and they'd go get him milkshakes and like yeah. ridiculous stuff like that. Anyway, after they discovered enough people who were still alive, the police really lost faith. In Holmes's confessions. At this point, Geyer still hadn't located the children, but he was committed. He wasn't going to stop until he found him. He paid a lot of attention to Holmes's claims about the his and the kids' whereabouts because he didn't want to miss anything. He didn't want to miss them. Um, once Holmes confessed that they were dead, Dyer's mission became to determine whether those claims were true or false. Are the kids really dead? Geyer ended up at a house just outside Toronto based on claims Holmes made saying that he had murdered Allison and Nellie, so two of the three children. He said that he put them in a small trunk together and siphoned in gas until they were asphyxiated.
0: Ew, that's so horrible. I know.
1: Geyer couldn't verify that that's how they died, but he did find the bodies of the two girls buried in the Toronto Holmes basement. Hmm. From there, Gary moved to Indianapolis where Holmes had said he murdered the third Pitesell child, Howard. Holmes told Geyer that he used a large amount of drugs to kill Howard, and then using his favorite knives that he had had sharpened in town, he dismembered him and burned the body. Geyer was able to prove this. He found Howard's teeth and bits of bone in a wood stove in a cottage outside of Indianapolis. On October 28th, 1895, Holmes went to trial for the murder of Benjamin Pitezel, And oh my goodness, did he make it a dramatic scene. I liken him again to Ted Bundy during his (laughs) trial. Like, you know, it's that psychopath kind of tendency. He just just made a scene. And he did it to make a spectacle. Because um, he loved the attention, yeah so on the first day of trial, he dismissed his counsel and claimed he was going to represent himself. that always goes um, over well, I know, and part of it was he wanted to be in control we 've already learned that, so he wanted to be in control of how everything was going, and yeah however, after seeing all of the evidence the prosecution was presenting against him, Holmes rehired his lawyers. <laughs> And then he actually used that to try um, or to blame them for inadequate representation as to why he lost. Oh, my God. Yeah. He never took the stand during the trial, but his wife uh, Georgiana and Mrs. Peitzel told the stories of how they had been tricked and lied to by Holmes. Georgiana, his wife, remember his last wife Mm -hmm. that he met in Denver, yeah. Didn't even know his real name wow. until he was arrested for murder.
2: Oh, my God. She still thought
1: he was that, what was it, Henry Mansfeld Henry or, or whatever. Um, one thing they did that got a big reaction in the courtroom was they read all of Alice's Alice Pitezel's letters to her mother for the court. Aww.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: On May 7th, 1896, nine days before he would have turned 35, Holmes was convicted of murder and hanged. And this is how the guy couldn't leave things, though. This is the asshole that he is. In his, his last words, he proclaimed his innocence. His last words to, were to, re, what is it, recant. That's the word I want. Recant every confession he had ever made, claiming that they all had been lies. Wow. What a
3: spineless yeah. piece of shit.
1: He also made a really weird request before he died. So I think this has to do with how great he thought he was because he was very paranoid that after he died, doctors would want to examine his brain to figure out why he was the way he was. And he didn't want that. It terrified him, the thought did. So he requested to be buried within a slab of concrete so nobody wow. could dig him up, which they they did for him. Yeah. But in 2017... <laughs> His body was actually exhumed in order to be confirmed that it was Holmes, um, and that was his burial place. Because he was encased in cement, I love this kind of stuff, like, his body decomposed very oddly. His clothes were perfectly preserved. Weird. His mustache was still intact.
0: Whoa! Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I I have an and here with nothing after it. So I think those are the only two things (laughs) that I remember. (laughs) But I just always think that's so weird. His mustache. His mustache. Mush. His mustache. (laughs) Um, After this, the castle became a popular tourist attraction. A man from out of state actually bought the property and was going to convert it into a macabre tourist attraction and murder museum. But locals really didn't want that to happen. And eventually, two unknown men burned down the castle huh. before renovations could begin.
3: I think this is um, so funny. Yeah. So they effectively
1: they, erased the physical legacy that Holmes left behind. Yeah, they
3: always mention this in last podcast. Where they always joke about why true crime now? I like know. we haven't always been fascinated with death and dying and psychological Mm -hmm. deviance and you know like
1: (laughs) I mean in both of these stories we hear once the news of murder happened the newspapers and the people just go well and they also the newspapers
0: also gave false information intentionally sometimes knowing that it was false information so this whole idea of like misinformation coming from the media being a new thing,
1: too, is yeah. false. <laughs> we just are able to fact check better now so we yeah. know they're so doing we it. know it's fake, yeah. When I was a kid, you just had to believe what was in the newspaper. Yep, and we did. <laughs> and that's all I've got. So the reason I told these two stories together is because I ran across this weird documentary that was intriguing to me, and it was a descendant of H.H. H. Holmes. Oh. His, he's a mudget descendant, okay, but I think he's like a son of Robert or something like that, who started to wonder if his ancestor, H.H. H. Holmes, was also Jack the Ripper. So you guys can look it up. I didn't do a ton of research on this beyond watching the documentary, um, but if you think about the timing, in 1888... There's, there's not a lot we know about what Holmes is doing. We do know at some time in that era, but I think it was late in the year. He buys the property to start building his mansion. 1888 is when Jack the Ripper was killing mm-hmm. and slowly evolving to these more grotesque murders. When Holmes starts murdering, he just dives right into the dissection. So maybe that was a buildup. So that was one of the theories. Um, okay. But my thought was, I want to know what you guys think so here's so I want you to email us your theories, email us anything you find, and then maybe if we get enough emails, we'll do a little mini episode yeah. and we'll share our theories and any theories that you give. But yeah, so it's just kind of interesting. Plus, there was that weird suspect they had for Jack the Ripper who they said was a Polish immigrant, uh-huh. but he came right before the murder started and left right
3: after they ended
1: right like uh-huh. so
3: and didn't he go to new york
2: um no that was the american dude
3: well no the american dude went to new york but there oh, was wait, one I've, guy
1: i forgot yeah i meant the american dude oh. george chapman was the polish guy yeah and he did escape to america too i think or leave to go to america yeah. but the
3: guy who was charged was the american oh, yeah. guy who he came over super gay right isn't that what we established <laughs>
0: I mean and, he's also yeah. the one that said he hated women. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And H. 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 Holmes doesn't seem to have
1: But H. H. Holmes uses women. Yeah. And you'll notice in most cases the people he's killing are women. Like he only killed that one man because out of like necessity because he was demanding payment.
0: I mean, who knows how many people he actually killed? Because yeah. it sounds yeah. like he had a pretty good killing. Like a killing yeah. setup where he could just like have lure people in his tenants yep. and kill. So, so he might have killed some men, but yeah, the ones that we really know about for mm-hmm. sure are, are women, except for out of necessity.
1: Yeah. And so, who knows? Maybe H.H. H. Holmes is Jack the Ripper, but he's not that one suspect. Like, there's so many yeah. different theories, but I just thought it was intriguing because you have. Yeah. 1888, you have the Ripper murders. And in 1889 is when he kills his ver- first victim, when H.H. Holmes kills his first victim.
0: Were all of the Ripper murders in 88? Yep. Yeah. Between okay.
1: August and November, and the middle of November, in so they 1888. all happened in a really short period of time. Well, we and it's also a, very unlikely. So he could have just, yeah,
3: just been he Exactly. Holiday. Yeah.
1: That's that's one of the theories. I mean, it's it. Who knows? It's an unlikely what a, what a theory, way to get but get
3: started. Yeah. In
1: a totally different country where
0: nobody knows you, like it's really easy to mm-hmm. hide back then,
1: not now. So not much. not now. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, it's a theory. And the Ripper murders started abruptly and ended abruptly. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? What were you going to say, Hannah?
2: Oh, I was just going to say it's usually pretty unlikely that, like, people who are killing that much and with that kind of severity just, like, stop all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah, without getting caught. Without getting caught or without dying.
1: (laughs) And that's the weird thing about... Jack the Ripper because he just stopped, which t- says to me whoever he was, he had to have left just London, left. Yeah. yeah, or died. And if yeah. you, and you know, if you look for serial killers that killed in a similar way after he left, H. H. Holmes is a good
3: candidate, right? Wouldn't that just be the thing, though, if like Jack the Ripper just like finally found his lust for blood, went on this massive killing spree, and then just like had a heart attack, <laughs> and we've spent. The last hundreds of years trying to figure out who was Jack the Ripper. I
1: mean, we still want to know even if he's dead. I mean, he could have been locked up for a different crime,
0: too. You know, Mm. there's you hear about stuff like that where you find out these murders stopped because this guy was locked up. Or,
3: yeah, you find out that, like, before these serial killers even start committing murders, they were like in crime or in prison for some minor yeah, you know,
1: well, and if you think about Holmes <sighs> and then himself they got out on
3: good behavior and right. then started murdering a bunch right. of people,
1: <laughs> if you think about Holmes himself, it was a very long progression. If we are to believe like he clearly had a criminal tendency to be, mm-hmm. you know, being a con man, swindling, he clearly thought he deserved more than everybody else is the way I take yeah. it. He deserves to have this money without working for it. Mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. Thing. But then if you watch his progression and you believe that those two children who died, were killed, murdered by Holmes. Yeah. That's very benign, right? And then he moves into dissecting dead bodies to moving into killing people so he can dissect them. I mean, it's pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, it is an
1: interesting progression.
0: I don't know. I'm not convinced on the whole theory that they're the same person, but I'm open to it. If I'm there's, not.
1: I'm not either. I just thought this was a crazy, interesting documentary. They are very like, similar too. I'm yeah. the descendant of a horrible, horrible mass murderer. I want to find out if he killed even more people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know that I'd want. I don't know if I. I would. I Everybody don't know. Copes I mean, different.
0: it's 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 far enough removed. It's I not guess. like it's his grandpa. That he bounced on his knee when he was a little kid, you
1: know what I mean? Yeah, I think
3: that would be different.
0: That would be different.
1: I wish I could remember the name of the documentary. I haven't been able to find it since, or I would tell you guys what it is so you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, But I forgot the name, and I haven't been able to find it. I'll have to look (laughs)
0: for it, though, because it sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, so it's a crazy theory. There are also books. I haven't read these, but there are books out there that are, like devoted to H.H. H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper are the same person and stuff. So
0: it is not an uncommon theory.
1: No. Mm-mm. Well, I liked your story, Jess. It was good. It was good. Thanks. And look, I got to done before
3: five.
0: Yeah, Yay. you did. We just got to do happy thoughts yep. in six minutes. Alright, is it time?
3: Things that don't suck. Things that don't suck. Bing. So who wants to
0: go first?
3: Um, I can go first. Alright, let's hear it. My um, thing that doesn't suck. Are my baby cats.
2: Oh. I love
3: them. I can't wait to go home and hang out with them on the patio. Because Pierre loves it so much. (laughs) And he deserves the world. I love him. Okay.
0: Um, I guess I can go. Kay. My thing that doesn't suck is that I got to hang out with my friend Jerome and my kids yesterday. And that was Papa. nice. Yes. And then I got to see my sister today and my kids again. And I just like yeah. that. It's nice. Even though it's super hot and you guys probably wish you weren't here. I think it's <laughs> funny
1: that your kids came over for an entire weekend. And chose the weekend that your AC was broken. No, It just happened that way. Like, it (laughs) broke. We realized it was broken at, like, fucking 10 o'clock on
0: Friday night when we were getting ready to go to bed. And and I'm like, why is it still so hot in here? Because I turned the air down, and then we were like, oh, shit, it's not working. Because when you're sitting underneath that fan down there, you don't necessarily realize. Yeah. But the rest of the house isn't so lucky.
1: Um... All right, I can go next. Okay, so my thing that doesn't suck is I'm like crazy excited for our next recording because Evie is going to come tell a PG-13 story for the podcast. Yeah, I'm so so excited. I won't be here. Yeah, we'll have to
3: listen to it. She is so excited.
1: She's very worried that her story might be too involved. And it's might be okay. too long, and I told her. I said, you know what? If it ends up being that way, I said, try to make it good for just a single episode. But if it's good content and it ends up that way, then Salem will split it in two. Mm-hmm. So um, she's super excited, and she's been working on it, and she's good been she did Abby better Bond. at working on her story than I did on the two stories I told today. <laughs> <laughs> but she's been working on it for a little while because I know she's excited about yeah. it. So that's cool.
0: All right, I guess it's you, kid. My thing that doesn't suck is that I get to go home to my house that
2: has air conditioning.
3: <laughs> Yay! I <don't>. Sorry, Mama.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go run through the sprinklers. <laughs>
3: all right, y'all. Well, thanks, little Shemmies, for tuning in. You can find us on all of our social medias at FFS the Podcast, and you can email us at ffs the podcast at gmail dot com. So send in your theories.
0: Yep. Yeah. And send your in your theories. What do you ghost think? Stories. Yeah. Oh yeah, send us in ghost stories, creepy towns
3: Review us and spread like the word Share Personal stories of fucked up shit Yeah If you want to hear right. us cover something, send in suggestions yeah. We'd love to hear from you We love you, Shemmys Thanks for listening yeah. Thank you